This time on episode 285 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we talk Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season 6, episode 4, Code Yellow. We talk weekly Marvel news and we talk your feedback. I'm Stephen John Drew from Better Podcasting, a podcast about podcasting, part of the Gunna Geek Network. Just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find fantastic geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. And I'm Agent Michelle. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. This show is recorded on Sunday, June 2nd, 2019, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast worldwide via www.geeks.live. Well, we don't actually have live chat right now. And I guess we're not actually being broadcast worldwide. So, congrats. Happy National Rocky Road Day. You know, I, I live in Indiana, so sometimes that means ice cream. and Sometimes that means just driving around because potholes are a problem. Yeah, same here in Texas. Hooray. I actually have ice cream in my fridge right now. It's not Rocky Road. But it does have chocolate in it, so I guess I could just throw on some marshmallows and pretend. That sounds yummy. It really does. I'm hungry now. Me too. Let's get this done so we can eat. Yeah, exactly. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast for the ABC television show, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the multiple Marvel small screen series, and the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes in general. Because of Tote streaming a rumpus for the gram. If you'd like to talk to us about the gram, you can find us at our website, legendsofshield.com. If you still use your phone to actually call things, you can leave a message on our voicemail, 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. If you'd like to, I don't, I, I'm, I'm losing cool things. to. I'm not cool, guys. I'm not cool. Find us on Facebook at Legends of Shield Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Legends of Shield. You can see us on YouTube at youtube.com slash geek. You can tell your Amazon device to enable Legends of Shield skill. You can join our Discord server chat at gunnageek.com slash Discord. And remember, Legends of Shield is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. This week, we're talking about Code Yellow, which is, as we have just mentioned, season six, episode four of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I always want to say Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. and vice versa, which aired on Friday, May 31st, 2019. And it was directed by Mark Kolpak, who only has two directing credits starting from 2016. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Slingshot and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., this particular episode, but you may know his name because he is a visual effects supervisor specifically for 
Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and he has 31 credits of that starting from 1995. A lot of Marvel ones. So he was the, you know, visual effects supervisor for things like Batman Forever. He was the visual effects supervisor for Blade, which, let's face it, was the best Marvel movie for a very long time. He was the on-set supervisor for three episodes of Buffy. Uh, he was the visual effects supervisor for shows like Commander-in-Chief, Heroes, a couple episodes of NCIS, uh, the movie The Box, the movie The Ugly Truth, the show No Ordinary Family, and of course, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Slingshot. And if you go to his Twitter, he was live tweeting along with the episode and talking about how it was really cool being able to work so closely with, you know, while directing, because this was kind of a visual effects heavy episode at parts. We'll get there. This episode had two writers. First, Lila Zuckerman has five writing credits starting 2010. Credits include One Fringe, Seven Haven, Four Suits, and Five Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. The other writer, Nora Zuckerman, credits in, well, seven writing credits starting in 2006, including One Fridge, One Fringe, One Human Target, Seven Haven, Four Suits, and Five Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. All right, so meaning of the title, Code Yellow. See, we found Deke. All the lemons I, everywhere. I lost count. Oh my of, God. Like there was lemon trees in the bathroom. Everyone had like a lemon thing. It was, oh my goodness. Lemons, lemons everywhere. Lemons, lemons, lemons. Just, oh my God. I, everywhere. There's yellow everywhere. There's stylized lemons. There's like totally not the lemon emoji everywhere. It's, guys, it just made me so happy. Just every time there's a scene going on, it's, yeah, I'm paying attention. But I was so distracted by just the lovely little, I, whoever the set director is. Thank you. Thank you. And considering lemons means love to Deke, it literally was just like love everywhere. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it means love. It means something that is a source of scarcity. Okay, let's start off. Most of the episode has to do with Deke. We'll get into the other subplot at the end. We start off with Deke shooting things up in the hallway. Big action scene. I'm there thinking, oh my God, he went to Hollywood. He became an actor. We just went wormhole extreme. Uh, that one's for Stargate Pioneer. SP, you are not here. Haley also not here. They had other places to be. So... We'll try to keep them here in spirit with references, I guess. And it was great. At first, I'm like going, is this a dream or what? Because not only does he get to do that sideways, cool firing the guns. <laughs> like if you've ever seen Buzz. Yes. It just. Have you ever fired two guns in the air whilst shooting and going, ah, like, no. And then no. knowing that he, he does this really cool knee slide, tosses the guns, catches them and kills the guy. And I'm there. I'm thinking he's an actor. He's an actor. And then a door opens and sexy Daisy walks out. And I'm thinking, did, was there a leftover life model decoy? All of a sudden this is skeevy. And we're in the framework. He's made the framework a video game. It's next gen VR. 
It's his company is doing this whole thing. It's amazing. He's not an actor. He's a Silicon Valley dude, bro. But he does want to change the world with mushroom pellets. Exactly. It's again, I saw some really good commentary about it. This is somebody who, again, all his life knew nothing but basically sustenance living. He comes to Earth. It's like, oh, yeah, everything's great. And then, no, there's still people starving. There's poverty. Everything's, I mean, it's better than it was, but it's still kind of terrible. So he's really trying. He is using all the stuff that he knows, and he's trying to make a better future. He has the mushroom pellets that he's trying to get that flavor that he remembers out of it so that people can actually eat a healthy, sustainable food. And he's trying to have cool prosthetics that have shields in them. I wonder where he could have come up with that idea. It seems as though he started his company with the framework and a bunch of stolen shield tech. Yep. And it's everybody's mental picture of a Silicon Valley dude bro tech company. He has a girlfriend who's played by showrunner Marissa Tankeron. Sequoia, his girlfriend, who is an Instagram influencer and is bothering him for boba tea. It's a running joke almost. And it made me really want boba tea. So I went and got some yesterday. Have you ever had boba tea? No, I have not. (gasps) Oh my God. This, okay. Y'all, boba tea is amazing. It is a Taiwanese dessert drink, kind of. You can have it as regular tea. You can have it. I like it milk tea, which is tea with a lot of milk or creamer, non-dairy milk, whatever added in it. It's an Asian thing. May was Asian Pride, Asian Heritage Month. And I'm lucky enough to live in a city with a very large Asian population. Houston has a very large Vietnamese population, a Chinese population, a fairly decent Japanese population. And California, where they live, also has a very large Asian population. And if you can, if at all possible, find it. What boba is, it's these little, it will little, they're large tapioca bubbles uh, about the size, a little smaller than marbles. And they go up through this special straw. It's this big, chunky straw. And you drink it and they're chewy and they're sweet. And some places have, you can have it with pudding. You can have it with hopping bubbles, which have fruit flavor inside or jelly. And it's really, really good. You can have all different flavors. The one I had yesterday was taro milk tea. I've also had some of my other favorites are like Thai milk tea, Thai green milk tea. Uh, You could have some, this one place that I love that's near me has it with honey and you could add like cocoa powder and you could have a milk cap, which is they add a big thing of like condensed milk on top. Oh, it's so good. And by the way, it's called boba because that's Taiwanese swan for boob because it's all kind of squishy, chewy, like the texture of the boba. Anyway, it's so good. And if you can at all have some, find some, you will love it. It's so good. That explains why she is basically like, we need to get this. We need to get it now because that sounds delicious. 
It's so good. It's again, there's a place right by the grocery store we usually go that sells it. It's tapioca tea house. And it's kind of, I tend to take it as my grocery shopping tax. When I go, I'll go and I'll get, you know, a Thai milk tea or taro milk tea or coconut cream milk tea or, you know, just some, I really, really love bubble tea, guys. It's also known as bubble tea because the boba looks like little bubbles. Anyway, it's so good. And there's like five places near me that sell it. And I have the one that I like because it has the best boba. And I have the one I like because it has the best flavor. And I have the one I like because it's cheapest. And I have the one I like because it's just closest. Oh, it's, I'm spoiled for choice. It's so good. I have to do something that I know is rare. And I have to admit that SP was right. And that Sarge and Co. are actually time cops. <laughs> and they are after Deke because he is outside of time. He does not belong, which is why he goes after him. And I thought it was interesting when Sarge finds Deke and Deke, of course, is like, Colson, man, how you doing? And he doesn't kill him right away like he does the guy in the bus stop. He instead basically just sits and listens to Deke talk who likes to talk. <laughs> and I mentioned on Twitter that Sarge is doing exactly what you're supposed to do when you're sneaking in somewhere and you just want more information. You give short answers, you have neutral answers, and you turn it back around to the question. Because let's face it, people love to talk about themselves. And Deke is somebody who, yeah, loves to talk. Unfortunately, Deke realizes, wait, something's wrong. And then he brings up Agent Doug, who we know does not exist. And then he takes that, I guess it's some sort of like achievement award or something and stabs him in the hand and is like, real hand, not Coulson. <laughs> yep. Smart Deke. A little bit too late, but it was a good move. It was a good move. And then we find out his co-worker Trevor, Trevor is an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then he goes, it's a code yellow. And Deke is like, what's a code yellow? Am I the code yellow? And he's like, yes, Deke, you are the code yellow. Deke is the code yellow. Oh, okay, yeah, something bad happening to Deke is a code yellow. I'm thrilled that they, of course, S.H.I.E.L.D. has eyes on Deke. I mean, come on. He's not only is he a time traveler from the future, but he's Fitzsimmons' grandson from the future. They aren't just going to let him go. And we find out that Trevor had been to Burning Man with him and had been his best friend. And was this all a lie? And by the end of the episode, we think maybe they're not best friends anymore. We'll get to there. And this, of course, brings Mac and May. May has that great fight with Snow. Ah, Again, Snow... I was watching, when I was watching, I'm thinking, you know, she's a bit unstable, but her outfit is just looks goals. I mean, come on. Again, this comes up again later. <laughs> but she has that fantastic fight. So good. Again, the choreography, the fight choreography on this show has gotten so good in recent seasons. And just every episode makes it stand out more and more. And May basically has her, but then Sarge comes up and pulls a gun on her and takes her prisoner. 
And that pure look of hate from May to Sarge. Yep. I mean, oh, I can't blame her. He's wearing the face of somebody she loved, but is not him. He's the cause of all this bad stuff. We'd just been talking about, you know, the past couple episodes and even in this episode, being emotionally compromised. And she's viewing him as emotionally compromising her. She's viewing herself as emotionally compromised. So she's mad at him. She's mad at herself. Yeah, that is a look of pure hatred right there. And I know it's just a look, but Ming-Na does a great job. I mean, think about it. She's known everyone forever. She's this great, you know, she's smiling all the time. She's a very pleasant person. And to actually have to view someone that she loved last season and her character, she did a great job with that one look, I think. Mm-hmm. No, she's fantastic. And in the meantime, Mac has helped rescue Deke, who then has to go back for his girlfriend, who calls him because she's back with the boba. And then she realizes, oh, something's wrong. She thinks it's a team building exercise or something. And no, it is not. So she's trapped in the bathroom with the boba. The boba has to be abandoned. And I was so sad because it looked so good. <laughs> it's all pretty and has like gradients. Oh, so good. And Deke starts to save her, but has to deal with Mac and that Jacko guy. And then Trevor comes along and saves her. And he's <laughs> not really a best friend when he's all of a sudden with Sequoia at the end. <laughs> Yeah, so let's just talk about the shawarma to the episode right now because it ties into the storyline. The shawarma to the episode is Sequoia's story. We The whole time she's been on her phone, again, Instagram influencer. So it's her talking like, hey guys, I'm here, hashtag blessed, whatever. And we get to see her point of view of like, oh, Deke hard at work and they're in the beanbag chairs because they're in the framework. and. She's coming back with the boba at the same time that, or she's leaving when Sarge and his team walk in. She focuses in on snow and she's like, oh, goals. And she's hot and like all this stuff. Because again, her outfit is awesome. So then when she's back in, she's like, guys, I think something. I've, I've been danger. Oh, no. Like just huge dramatic thing. Running out like, oh, he's saving me. And then at the end, she's there having boba with trevor Ugh. it's betrayal i mean obviously deke is not over daisy he one of his first questions is how's daisy where is she and i know mac is not happy that sexy daisy is, is in the game because that they trap they trap jacko in the framework and then daisy shows up and mac sees it and just gives Deke, this look. He's like, I will give you like half of the company if you don't tell her. Because, yeah, that's skeevy. That is super skeevy. He's like, Deke, we thought you knew about. It's like he knows about physical consent. He's not really down with the whole image consent. Yeah, there's a whole thing about image rights. I have a friend who's an IP lawyer. She can explain 
everything having to do with people owning the rights to their own images. Anyway, again, it's skeevy. It's, I mean, it's funny, but it's skeevy. Max seems perfectly aware it's skeevy. If Daisy found out, she would rip off his hands and shove them up back inside him. Yeah, that needs to be some code that's deleted. Yep. Speaking of which, we actually did not see Daisy and company this episode. Yeah, last week was space. This week was Earth. Yep. And speaking of what else is going on on Earth, while all this is going on, back in base, we have Mac talking with Keller? Keller. Keller. About, hey, do you think you would be compromised by being on the same team as Yo-Yo? Because again, Mac, not a dumb guy. He knows they're together. He knows. And, uh, you know, it's like hypothetically, theoretically, and it's like, no, we're not. So doesn't have to confess of the personal relationship. I was thinking, again, it's not, it's not like a jerk move on Mac's part. He's been there. Like when they were in space. And with the whole everything that went down, he knows perfectly well, you know, between that and the framework and everything. He knows, hey, just so you know, when you are with someone and stuff happens, things get messy. So I am just letting you know. Again, it's not a jerk move on his part. This is somebody who has been there. Not so much a jerk move, but a dumb move. We have this. Dr. Benson doing the autopsy of the guy who got killed at the bus station. He doesn't quarantine the area. He doesn't do, he just all of a sudden is like, hey, there's this knife here in this weird bat bird thing inside the guy's chest. Here, let me just pull it out. Yeah, we have Keller and Yo-Yo helping out with the autopsy. Okay, this is where Mark Kolpak really shone, I think, this episode. All the stuff having to do with the alien bat bird was fantastic. It's gross. It's weird. It's fantastic. So, yeah, it's, it's a dumb move. Okay, you have this weird alien creature inside. Okay, first thing you do, seal it off. You have your shield. We've seen the rooms where you can seal stuff off and you don't have people in there without proper PPE. That's personal protective equipment. You have it put on those weird spacesuit things that you have to you have to wear if you're working with with Ebola and things like that. Come on, people. <sighs> again, it's like it's Prometheus all over again. Ditto. And it's just. We're just lucky nobody licked anything. Yeah, It's just a really dumb way for Keller to die. I kind of figured Keller was going to die sometime. But for it to be, here we have this Dr. Benson who's supposed to be really well respected. I'm not a doctor. I'm not, you know, an official scientist. I'm just, you know, I'm a teacher. But even I know you need those funky suits and the thing and the breathing and the the filtered mask and you just don't grab he grabbed the knife like with his bare hands no uh okay okay no he was gloved though but yeah, he was gloved but you still don't okay you have this here first take pictures take all the pictures because this is a weird thing you even do this with autopsies and stuff take so many pictures 
have an audio recording going. Just ah, uh, and this is this is a high tech department. You're supposed to ah uh, again frustrated, but that's done. What happens is he pulls out the knife while talking about how okay, well this seems to be like some sort of alien equivalent of cordyceps. Cordyceps, by the way, is have you ever seen those videos or the gifts of ants? who have the mushrooms going out of their brains. I have, and I've also played a video game called Last of Us. Yes, which uses the same sort of thing. It's also in the zombie books, The Girl with All the Gifts. And what it is, it's, okay, there are types of fungi, types of insects, types of bacteria that go inside a host, usually insects, and change their brain chemistry and make them behave a certain way. For things like cordyceps, for things like there's a certain type of uh, larva that goes in, up inside of snail's eye stalks, what they do is, I think it's a wasp larva, what they do is they cause them to, in those particular cases, climb up high to where they are, in the snail's case, to where they're no longer hidden and can be eaten by birds and thus can kind of be propagated. In the case of cordyceps, they can go up high and when the fungus breaks out through their heads, the spores will drift high up. In the case of toxoplasmosis, which is a parasite that we know that can affect mammals it affects mice rats and humans for mice and rats it makes them less afraid of cats it's a uh, parasite that's spread by a flea and therefore it's eaten they're eaten by the cat the parasite propagates inside the cat and it's it's spread by cat fleas and in humans there's still a lot of debate but it's popularly theorized to be a cause of the crazy cat lady again it makes you more prone to being around cats and with this it causes them to act a certain way we don't know how yet but what we do see is that keller does a lot of really weird first he has a seizure and then when he, they try to sedate him to get the bat bird thing out of him, when after it climbs inside of him, oh God, gross. Guys, don't swallow bats or birds whole like that. And then he does that weird, like his arm starts to stretch and rip and stuff starts to grow out of him. It's really gross. And Yo-Yo, again, we're talking about emotional, being emotionally compromised. She grabs the knife and stabs it through where we know the bird bat would be located. And goodbye, cute Luke Bryant. Like I said, I'm not surprised Keller died. I just wish it wasn't for such a stupid reason. Yeah, again, the scientist in me was highly annoyed. But it happened, and we're finding out, yeah, they're time cops, they're maybe interdimensional pest control. Who knows? But at least we have that mystery solved. Solved-ish. I would say it's solved-ish. Maybe not completely solved until next week. 
Yeah, now it's the whole, why do you look like Colson? Yeah, what's up with that? So, yeah, next week we have episode five, The Other Thing. Sounds ominous. It does. And now we got some news. It looks like we have some TV news, starting with Jessica Jones. Yep, we have a teaser trailer for season three. It's about 30 seconds long. That gives us a look at, I guess, the bad guy and a release date, June 14th. So that's like two weeks away. Third and final season. So sad. Yeah. And what's really interesting, I'm finally getting caught up on Cloak and Dagger. On Cloak and Dagger, there's a newspaper with Luke Cage and the article was written by Karen Page. Oh. And it was like, oh, they did a tie-in, but now that cinematic universe is dead. Shoot. Cool. But oh. Something that's not dead is the Falcon and Winter Soldier series. Yes, and we have possibly some more Marvel Cinematic Universe veterans joining Daniel Brühl and Emily Van Camp. SP, are you paying attention, are in talks to join the series. The six-part series will be directed by Carrie Skoglund and is eyeing an August 2020 premiere. So Daniel Burrell, you may, you may remember as Zemo and Emily Van Camp was Sharon Carter. A rep for Marvel Studios has not said anything, so shrug. But we'll see. We didn't really see an a real end for anything involving Zemo. We just saw T'Challa was like, yeah, I won't kill you, but you will see justice. And then he was just kind of sitting there sadly in the snow. You realize if Emily Van Camp is actually on the show, SP will actually subscribe. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think he will do that the first day. Moving on to some movie news, we have more Black Widow news. Yep, from at Black Widow underscore film on Twitter, which isn't official, but is like a fan account. Set photos from the Black Widow movie. It's a bunch of pictures of Scarlett Johansson in like a gray hoodie and she's wearing the red hair and it's kind of long and it looks like she's grocery shopping. Yeah, there's not really much going on, but I mean, she's there. I am looking forward to the movie. Yeah, same. I want to know what happens. I want to know when it's happening. And I've been wanting this for years. Give me it. Well, someone who's very popular, Deadpool, seems like executives are trying to cash in on that. Yep. We have discussed previously that Deadpool is one of the few things that has not been canceled in the merger with Disney. And Marvel is exploring ways of introducing him into the MCU. According to MCU Cosmic, it's a big rumor, and there are options on the table of how they're going to be keeping him in the MCU. A new solo film, a Disney Plus limited series, or guest starring in Spider-Man 3. So, probably not a Disney Plus limited series, as everything on that service is meant to be family-friendly or PG-13. Deadpool... In Spider-Man 3, would also mean that he probably has to be PG-13. So, question mark? 
And along those lines, Sony is also rumored to be discussing putting Tom Hardy's Venom into Spider-Man 3, according to Discussing Film. It's just a rumor. There's not much else there other than rumor. So we will keep you updated as we know stuff. That is such great fan fiction. <laughs> Deadpool. I've read it. Tom Hardy's Venom and and Tom, okay, so we have Tom Holland, Tom Hardy, and Ryan Reynolds possibly in the same movie. We have to have the whole Deadpool, who is a Hufflepuff sort <laughs> of scene. And I know it needs to be PG thirteen. In a way, I really wanted it to happen because I did end up liking Venom. You are right about Venom. It was completely right? marketed wrong. It was a lot more entertaining than I thought. I actually kind of want this all to happen. Like, I know how I would do it. It is not anything that Marvel or Disney would allow. Deadpool is basically an incredibly profane Hufflepuff. We have Spider-Man, who is basically the most Ravenclaw Gryffindor of Ravenclaw Gryffindors. Ravendor? Griffleclaw? And we have Venom, who is a loser Slytherin. It's a misfit buddy comedy because you have these two adults who are terrible. They're terrible people. They are losers. They are terrible. And we have just the most earnest little trying so hard, trying not to let people know that he's secretly 15 years old. And they're terrible parents. They are terrible parents. And I know they're not really his parents, but. It's just that sort of, oh my God, what are we doing? And we have the only functional one of the group being Spider-Man. And again, I'm pretty sure I've read this fanfic, but still, there's no way Disney would let this happen. Only in our dreams. Uh, all we have to do is dream. And that is it for the news. Time for some feedback. On Twitter, we heard from at Adana Girl. Yes. So I got a lot of really fun tweets while I was live tweeting on Friday. A lot of it was from Adana Girl. Thank you so much for watching with me. And Fitz's reaction when he learns what Deke was up to over the last year. I told you he was a bloody wanker. To which at Icy Bubba responded, technically he hasn't met Deke yet. And I completely forgot about that. Yes, this fits the one that is floating through space. I don't think he's met. Has he met Deke yet? No. Oh, my God. So wibbly, wobbly, timey-wimey, Jeremy, bury me. Guys, my head's exploding. No, this fits was on ice. He did not come out of it. He does not know Deke. He's, you know, the, the fits that met Deke is the fits that died. Yeah, okay. So Fitz Prime, who is Deke's grandfather, is dead. Deke's actual prime biological grandfather. Fitz, the secondary, oh, we need a better name for him. Fitz Beta? Fitz Beta, who is the one that we currently have. Beta Fitz. Yeah, Beta Fitz is the one we currently have, who was frozen and has not met Deke. Okay. We're going to have to draw a diagram. 
the next time we are able to live stream so that SP can run the video equipment so that we can actually be on video on YouTube, I will draw a diagram. Yeah, because BetaFit doesn't know he's married. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is going to be awkward. And we had an exchange on Discord? Yes, it started when the Liberty Dude said, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 5, Episode 7, Together or Not at All. Time code, 14 minutes, 10 seconds. Top guard of the Cree outpost and the same position for visiting his brother just had an encounter with Daisy and the gang. The visiting top Cree guard says, Scrappy. At that moment, I had to ask, OMG, is that the same actor that played the role of Grant Ward, Brett Dalton, now doing a cameo as a Cree? To which SP replied, that Cree was Mastin Dar, played by Remington Hoffman. It did sound like Brett Dalton, though. Also, your time code. Okay, well, that was. Yeah, your time code was from the end of the episode, not the beginning, which would be about 26 minutes, 50 seconds ish. And also, separate conversation, we had Johnny Bacon, who said, Yay for Jessica Jones, boo for Netflix. Has anyone else canceled their Netflix over their recent actions? Guess I'll have to pick it up for a month to catch JJ3, but then back off it goes. I'm so mad at Netflix for so much of the stuff they've done, but I still have it because I still am watching a lot of the stuff on there, both original and reruns and movies and stuff. So I'm part of the problem. I have my Netflix turned off right now. We're not covering any Netflix shows. So I figured when we start that up again, then I can get caught up on things like Lucifer and Shira and things like that. Because it's always going to be there because it's Netflix originals. Yeah. Well, that's all we have for feedback. All right. And we are going to hashtag grab some boba on the way out. We want to thank everybody who listens to us, who joins us live for whenever we're actually live, which we are not today because SP runs that. And everybody who joins along with the live tweets. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for listening to us. We know there's a lot of content out there. So we really appreciate it when you take out a little time out of your day to listen to us talk about these TV shows and insects and proper autopsy <laughs> procedures. And boba tea. Until next time, I'm Agent Lauren. And I'm Agent Michelle. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of Shield, or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended.
I want to thank the ladies very much for going ahead and recording without me this week. I had to take care of some personal business and was away and could not record this week, but I do appreciate the fact that they brought me up so much as well as Haley in this episode. Haley also can be in the episode Wormhold Extreme, which was a very funny Stargate SG-1 episode. And I just love all these Stargate references that they are making in this season. I wonder if there's some sort of connection with Stargate SG-1 in the season in the production staff. That would be great to know because they are hitting a lot of the Stargate SG-1 references in this season. So that's great to see. Starge as a time cop. Now, that wasn't exactly confirmed in this episode, but I did appreciate Michelle reaching out and saying, yeah, I could see what SP was saying. So thank you very much, Michelle, for that. And then as far as Emily Van Camp, I was actually going to turn on Disney Plus when it opened, no matter if Emily Van Camp was on there or not. This just assures that I'll probably be doing it day one versus a little bit down the road. But $7.99 is very palatable for the amount of content that they're going to have on the channel. Plus, we're going to be covering a lot of that content here on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the future. So I do see myself putting up the $7.99 a month for the Disney Plus service. We had talked about that on the podcast before. Anyway, thank you very much, ladies, for recording. I sincerely appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing you in a couple of days as we record the next episode, episode 286 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. on the next Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode. See you guys. Bye. Cool. We did it. Woo! Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2019.